praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth again. I just want to take this moment to thank all of you who have blessed us with a financial donation to help us produce these programs. And I want to thank all of you who have become Christ-centered partners with us. And for those of you who are considering becoming a partner, I want to thank you in advance uh, for just considering our ministry to be a part of this. So I just want to say, if you have not yet uh, blessed us with a financial donation, I just ask you to consider doing so by faith and just to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit to bless us so we can produce more of these shows. It is our heart's desire, which is also God's desire to make this teaching available to many, many more people. But it costs money to do so. So we are trusting God that you will obey and bless us back with whatever amount the Lord puts in your heart. So again, we thank you in advance for your love gift donation into God's work so we can reach many, many more people. And may God bless you and keep you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever you give back into this ministry, God will multiply that and bless you back abundantly, exceedingly until it overflows. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. We are not quite through with the laws, so here is Dr. Ruth to explain more. We pray that God will open your hearts as you prepare yourself to receive from Him today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are continuing here in the book of Leviticus. And uh, the remainder of these chapters, specifically Leviticus chapters 17 through 26, are considered by many Bible scholars as the chapters with uh, God's holy code in them, or the holiness code of God can be found in these chapters. These are the holy laws that the Lord had given to the Israelites through the man Moses. So today we will take a look at some of these uh, chapters. We will look at chapters 17 through 20 today. So I begin here with Leviticus chapter 17. And the gist of this chapter is that the Lord will give the Israelites through Moses uh, laws forbidding them to eat blood from an animal. All right. Okay. So that is the main gist uh, of this chapter. So let's take a look at uh, some uh, verses here highlighting their significance. The first four verses out of Leviticus uh, chapter 17, uh, the Lord is giving the Israelites specific instructions how they will offer their um, animal sacrifice to him. Essentially, he is prohibiting unauthorized sacrifice. Okay, and uh, verses 5 uh, through 7, the Lord went on to explain how all of the sacrifices from the Israelites must come through the priest. The priest has to inspect them and uh, deem them acceptable before they can be pleasing to the Lord. So that is what those uh, first few verses are explaining there. And then uh, we come all the way to um, 
verse 11 of this um, chapter. Actually, no, let's look at verse 10. Uh, the Lord said, I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood. So the Lord is uh, beginning to give them specific instructions not to eat blood. So let's, let's proceed here with uh, verse 11. And in, in verse 11, the Lord said, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I am in verse 12. I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor any uh, foreigner residing among you rather should not eat blood. So the Lord just went on to say that none of the Israelites, including any foreigner, should eat uh, the blood from an animal. Let's talk about this for a minute because some of you may wonder why God is giving certain specific laws. Like I have said throughout this podcast, especially in the book of Leviticus, God doesn't give us laws without a purpose behind it for our own good. Essentially, all the laws of God are to benefit us. Okay, He is not just giving laws haphazardly, to, to cause problems. No, these laws are to benefit us. So with regards to the law prohibiting the Israelites or any foreigner who lives among the Israelites from eating the blood of a creature, here is why. Number one, you have to remember, as I've already explained, even as God has already explained in these verses, that life is in the blood. The blood is used for the atonement for their sins, like I had explained in preceding chapters. And also remember, we talked about this previously, how the uh, high priest get into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood at the mercy seat to make atonement for the Israelite community, including his own sin. Remember that? We talked about that on the Day of Atonement. We also talked about how the... Um, the uh, Aaron would place his his hands on the animal, remember, and confess the sins of the Israelite community over the animal, and then send the animal away into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Remember all of that. Think through this now. If after hands have been laid on the animal, we talked about substitutionary uh, sin, the sins of the people are then are laid on the animal. So the animal becomes a substitute for the person and then the animal is sent away to the wilderness. And, and if they turn around then and eat the blood of an animal, especially the animal that is actually killed and the blood sacrifice on the altar, well then they would be ingesting or eating the blood of the animal that is supposed to be sacrificing for their sins. So I hope you follow that logic there. So that is another reason why the uh, blood from an animal could not be eaten. And also for obedience, okay, they had to obey the laws of the Lord. And, and, um, and lastly, for health reason, for sanitation, because of the fact that they could uh, eat contaminated 
uh, animals or they could eat the blood of animals that had uh, contaminated diseases, rather. So those were some of the major reasons why the Lord prohibited the Israelites from eating the blood of an animal, okay? Again, just in brief, because the animal was used as a sacrifice, so they cannot eat the blood from, from the animal that had already been sacrificed. And then for health reasons, health reasons, rather, and then obedience, all right, so uh, now let's move on to uh, verse 15, which uh, verses 15 and 16, which will bring us to the end of this chapter. Anyone, whether native born or foreigner who eats anything found dead or torn by wild animals must wash their clothes and bathe with water. So the Lord just went on to give instructions how the uh, Israelites would cleanse themselves if they become contaminated. So that brings us to the end of that chapter. We come now to uh, chapter 18. And the gist of chapter 18 is that the Lord would give uh, laws pertaining to unlawful sexual relations. Wow. This is an amazing chapter in the Bible because... A lot of people today are so confused, thinking that God accepts their sexual immorality, that God accepts uh, homosexuality, lesbianism. In fact, just uh, a few days ago, I was talking to a lady who has been uh, witnessing to this uh, man who professed to be a Christian, but he is in this obvious, uh, opened homosexual relationship and he claims that he goes to church they accept him there and he brings his sacrifices to the church and everybody uh, is okay with that well it's true that they accept him because we are supposed to love the person but dislike the sin it's true that they are showing love and compassion to us him as a person because that is the right thing to do that is what the lord jesus teaches us to love uh, the sinner but uh, condemn the sinful practice and i was telling this lady that uh, this gentleman is not being told the truth because uh, uh people in the church uh Apparently, it appears as if even the pastor is not being honest with this gentleman, and people are afraid to confront him in his uh, sexual practices. He is practicing obvious uh, homosexualism, if I could use that word, and nobody is telling him in his face that God does not accept that uh, practice. So, and also people have this erroneous idea that God is progressive, meaning that God has changed. But God in his core essence is immutable. God does not change in his core essence. So these principles that we are going over in the Old Testament are still applicable to there. God hasn't changed. All right. His way of dealing with sin is different. That is his grace and mercy. But the principles are unchangeable. So these sexual laws are still applicable today. And before we even go over some of this, because I will not go over all of these verses, because I just love the fact that the Lord laid out this so easy to understand, self-explanatory. I don't need to go over all of this. This is this is it's as clear as black and white. I will go over the principles. But real quick, 
before we go over this chapter, let's talk about why God gave these sexual laws. Number one is to protect the sex institution that he created uh, primarily and only between a married man and a woman in a marital relationship. That is the only time that sex is anointed and acceptable by God in a marriage relationship. That is it. Okay? So number two, these sexual laws are given uh, to uh, prevent the spread of diseases, germs, okay, to cut back on um, sexual diseases, which, boy, it's unfortunate that people have abused God's sexual laws, and we have ended up with all sorts of sexual diseases, HIV, gonorrhea, syphilis. These are all diseases that God was trying to prevent by giving us these laws. The human being disobeying God would not listen. So today, we have ended up with all sorts of infectious sexual diseases that people bring upon themselves. Yep, people bring these upon themselves. Okay, and number three, uh, these laws were meant to preserve the human race. For example, had God not given these laws, mankind would not know how to deal with the whole sex issue, and it would, it would just cause corruption and rampant corruption and contamination of the entire human race. Um, and, uh, of course, for health reasons, I, I talked about that. And then also to set the Israelites apart, to set them apart as his holy people. Because a lot of the uh, pagan uh, nations surrounding uh, Israelites were practicing all sorts of perverse sexual practices. And you have to remember that the Lord gave all of these laws to Moses at the foot of Mount Sinai right before they went and conquered the promised land, the Canaan, uh, the land of Canaan. They had not gone into the land of Canaan yet. They were en route into the land of Canaan. And God, in his foreknowledge, already knew what these pagan nations were practicing in terms of sex. So the Lord was giving all of these instructions to pre-warn the Israelites that when you go into the promised land, you will not partake, you will not practice all these perverse sexual practices that these pagan nations are practicing, which I have condemned. All right? So, and then also the last uh, major reason why the Lord gave these sexual laws is for emotional and mental stability. Boy, I'm sure a lot of you would agree that people who have been sexually abused, people who have been used as uh, sex slaves, unfortunately, we have a lot of that happening today. These people have a permanent emotional and mental trauma that they need spiritual deliverance because sex has been abused in such a way that it is causing havoc in people's lives permanently. So those were the major reasons why the Lord gave these laws. And we can categorize these sexual laws into four major categories. Incest. The Lord vehemently prohibits Incest, okay, you know what incest is. That is uh, having sexual relations with your uh, siblings or close relations. The Lord 
vehemently, totally condemn such a practice. Second, homosexuality. The Lord totally condemns homosexuality. He still condemns homosexuality today. Okay? The third category, bestiality. Having sex with an animal. The Lord condemns that. You would be amazed. There are still people who are mentally sick who are still practicing this. And even at least here in the U.S., and I believe also in Europe, there are laws, okay, protecting animals that if you are caught having sexual relations with an animal, you, the human being, will go to prison and that animal will be killed. This came from the Bible because we need to contain sexual transmitted diseases. All right? And the fourth category of these sexual laws is that God speaks vehemently against fornication, which is any kind of sexual encounter, sexual relationship outside of marriage. All right? Again, real quick, four major categories of these sexual laws. This is important. Okay, I'm repeating this because these laws are still the same. Number one, God is against incest. Okay, God is against homosexuality or lesbianism. God is against that. Number three, bestiality. God is against that and fornication. So those were the four major categories of these sexual laws. So let's quickly highlight some of this so you know how serious God takes uh, this matter. And uh, let's come down to verse 6. I am in chapter 18. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. Verse 7, do not dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. Do not have relations with her. And then uh, the rest of them, the Lord went on to give specific instructions uh, about no sexual relationship um, with daughter-in-law, son-in-law. You can read all of that. No sexual relations with your aunts. Let's look at verse 18. Do not take your wife's sister as a, a rival wife and have sexual relations with her while, while your wife is living because this would cause emotional trauma. And for those of you who are familiar with the scriptures, if you recall in the gospel, especially one gospel comes to mind, Luke chapter 3 verse 19, John the Baptist was beheaded or was killed because he openly and was vehemently rebuking Herod for taking Herodes as his wife. And if you recall, Herodes was Herod's brother's wife, okay? And Herod took her as his wife, and John the Baptist openly rebuked Herod, which led to his uh, death. So I wanted to highlight that so you can get some perspective how John the Baptist was going by this ordinance right here that a brother should not take the wife of his brother because it would lead to much emotional trauma. So John the Baptist was only preaching the righteousness of God when he was killed by Herod. Okay? And today people have killed, people have committed murder because of this. It happens every day in the news. All right. Look at verse 20. 
Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. Boy, this still happens all the time. This is against God's laws. Don't do it. You would be sinning against God, number one, against yourself. You're going to bring a lot of problems. The book of Proverbs teaches that only a fool will have sex outside of marriage and think they can get by with it. You can't. You won't get by with this. Verse 21. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Read quick. Let me talk about this. Some of the pagan nations at that time, the Ammonites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, these people worship the God called Molech. Uh, in that they would offer child sacrifice. They would give their children to be burnt in the fire in order to appease this uh, God, Molech. That is how they thought they could buy the love of God, Molech, and to have peace with this God, Molech. This was a very common practice among the pagan nations. So the Lord was warning the Israelites that do not do this wicked thing. Number one, we serve a God of love. God is love in his very essence. God can never accept child sacrifice. God is selfless. Again, God is selfless. He, he himself died on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ for the sins of the entire world, even though each one must accept that sacrifice by choice. So God himself died on that cross on our behalf. So he will not accept any kind of child sacrifice. This is detestable to the Lord. So he was pre-warning these people. And unfortunately, as we will find out throughout the study of the Old Testament, especially when we get to the uh, book of Kings, some of the kings of Israel actually got involved in child sacrifice. And God's justice, God's punishment came upon them. So we are not to do that. And here he was warning the Israelites. Verse 22, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable right here. This is against homosexuality. God is saying that homosexuality is detestable. Do not do it. If you are struggling with homosexuality, God loves you, but God wants you to come to him and to repent. He will help you, give you the strength through the Holy Spirit to overcome homosexuality. Do not be deceived. God has not changed. God cannot accept that practice. You will give an account. So you would be wise to humble yourself, ask God to help you. This is serious. Verse 23, do not have a sexual relations with an animal. We talked about that already. So... These were God's laws to protect the sexual relations between a married man and a married woman. And um, we come down to uh, verse 30. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourself with them. 
what the Lord is talking here is that the Israelites came from Egypt. Remember, the Egyptians, pagan nation, they were also practicing all sorts of homosexuality, incest, bestiality, fornication. So the Lord was reminding them not to do those things that the Egyptians did and not to do the things that the Canaanites do when they go and possess the land of Canaan. Already then, that brings uh, me to chapter 19 uh, of the book of Leviticus. Okay, moving right along here. Uh, chapter 19 has uh, various other laws for the Israelites to uh, uh, keep in order to have a peaceful relationship with the Lord. Let's take a look at the first uh, few verses here. Uh, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verse 3, Each of you must respect your mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbath. I am the Lord. This is so important. We talked about this um, in the book of Exodus when I I went over the Ten Commandments. The Lord is still reminding them about the necessity to respect the parents. Let me talk about the principle here. There is a very strong correlation between uh, children who disrespect their parents and adults who disrespect the law, who disrespect God's laws, and who end up being atheists or who end up hating God. So, the parents, if a child is raised disliking the parents, cursing the parents, more than likely that child will become an adult who will have gross disrespect for the laws of the land and even disrespect God. So God is warning them. God is training them to learn to respect their parents because if children, people can learn to respect their parents, there is a good correlation that they're going to grow up with a humble respect for, for the government, for the laws of God. So when the Lord says something over and over, there is a reason. And today, history tells us that a lot of the so-called self-professed atheists are individuals who had no respect for their parents, who disliked their parents. So you see the correlation here between having respect for your parents and, and being a respectful person as an adult. So the Lord keeps trying to train these people to have this humble respect for their parents because if they can do that, then they will likely be uh, uh, willing to respect laws and even respect the, gods, the, the laws of God, all right? Okay, so let's look at... Uh, verse 4, in verse 4, the Lord uh, gave them a strict warning not to turn to idols. Important, we've talked about this. Idolatry is a big sin against the Lord. And I have talked about how in today's language, idolatry could be just, is anything you put before God. God has to be first in anything we do. So when we put our children before God, when we put our careers our looks, our money, or any earthly relations before God, that is an idol, okay? In essence, if there is anything in your life that you think about all the time more than you think about the living God, that thing has possessed you and it has become your idol and it will ruin you. 
because there is only one thing in life that can give true meaning and satisfaction, that is God. So God is warning us not to turn to people, our children, our money, our careers. We should not worship those things because those things are fleeting. So that is uh, what that uh, verse is telling us there. So let's come to verse 9 here. Out of Leviticus uh, chapter 19, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the uh, very edges of your field or gather the uh, gleanings of your harvest. Verse 10, do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. We see the heart of God here for the poor. God is for the poor. God is for the rich. God is for the weak. God is for the stronger person, however you want to say that. So we see the heart of God here telling the Israelites to, to not go in their vineyards a second time to pick up all the food, to leave it for the poor people. And when we get to the book of Ruth, this will really come into a full uh, operation because uh, Ruth uh, was picking from the edges or gleaning uh, from the uh, edges of the field uh, from the Jews. And in doing that, she came in contact with her Boaz, or Boaz, her husband, the person who later became her husband. Powerful story of God's faithfulness, God's provision. So uh, here in uh, verse 9, the Lord is telling the Israelites not to uh, go over their vineyards a second time to leave some for the poor. So that is the significance of that. Other laws are stated throughout this chapter. Look at verse 11. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. God takes issue of lying seriously. Deceit seriously. There are people who, are, who have PhDs in deception. And they can deceive and flatter people. And people, unfortunately, some people fall into their deception, but God knows the heart. So if you have a tendency to manipulate and deceive people, stop. God says that that is sin. Verse 12, do not swear falsely by my name. Ah, boy, I tell you, if God were to bring judgment on people who do this, <laughs> most people, even some Christians, would be guilty. Because there are people who say, oh, I swear to God, I'm telling you this. And it's not even God who is telling them. It's just them. They are so quick to put the name of the Lord. By doing that, they deceive people. If you do that, God is saying, do not use my name. Do not swear by my name carelessly. We should only tell, tell people that God has spoken to us if God has really spoken to us. And God will speak to you through his word. So when we use the word of God to encourage others, we have to point scriptures to them that, hey, God is speaking to me through the scripture to encourage you. We should not just come up with our own ideologies and then use the name of God uh, under the disguise of edifying people. God says, don't do that. Okay. So um, do not... Hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. What the Lord is saying here is that if as employers, when we hire somebody, we should pay them honestly for the work on the same day. We should not send them home and then tell them to come the next day to be paid. The Lord said that is not acceptable. 
especially because in that culture, a typical work day was at the end of the day. Okay, people were expected to be paid at the end of the day. So not paying somebody would be horrible. In today's language, at least here in the U.S., some people still get paid at the end of the day, but most people get paid at the end of the week or some other people get paid after two weeks or after a month. So just imagine what it would be like for your employer not to pay you after you have worked for them for one week or two weeks or even one month. So think about this principle. That is why the Lord was insisting that as employers, people should be paid at the end of the work day. In the case of the Jewish culture, back then it was one day. In the U.S., it is after one day or one week, two weeks or one month. So the principle is still applicable that employers should pay their employees when the work is done. Verse 14, do not curse the death or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Isn't this amazing? Look at the compassion, the heart and the love of God for the handicapped people. Essentially, we should really show compassion and mercy towards the handicapped. Not pity. We should not have pity towards them because God loves them. We should treat them equally as human beings, but just extend compassion. All right. Uh, do not pervert justice. That is obvious. Do not spread, spread slander. That is 16. You know what slander is. That is speaking evilly towards somebody else. Essentially, slicing somebody to pieces with your mouth. The mouth is a weapon. The Lord is saying that do not do that. Verse 17, do not hate your fellow Israelite. Essentially, the Lord is speaking against hate. This, these are, I mean, these are awesome, okay, that the Lord had to really train these people how to relate to one another. And these laws are still applicable today. All of these laws I have gone over are still applicable, right? We still should not slander people. We, sh we, we, we uh, should not lie. We should not seek revenge. That is out of verse uh, 18. God is the avenger. He should uh, do our revenge for us. And in verse 19, the Lord said uh, that uh, this is powerful here. Look at that. Keep my decrees. Do not uh, mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. There's a principle here that uh, the Lord teaches us uh, during creation. You can go back and look at Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2. Every kind according to its kind. Remember that principle? That physical principle and spiritual principle? If, if you... Um, you plant a bad seed, you will reap bad consequences. If you plant a good seed, you will reap good consequences. And the seed here, if, if you, if you uh, hurt people, if you treat people poorly, that is a bad seed. In the spiritual realm, <laughs> you will reap spiritual consequences. Okay? Which means that, you know what, if you're going to disobey God and treat people poorly, you would open the door for your enemy to come into your life and, and attack you, and you're going to... Just open the door for somebody else to treat you poorly. I mean, life is a seed. So here the Lord is telling them, is teaching them order consistently or consistency. 
rather. And of course, we know the simple uh, physical principle. If you take bananas and mangoes, you mix them together, you plant them, you're going to contaminate the soil, right? <laughs> Isn't that obvious? In the physical realm, we wouldn't do that, okay? So um, you can read all of those uh, verses uh, on your own. Let's come to verse Verses 20 all the way to 22, the Lord is just um, describing certain consequences that have to, or consequences that will ensue if people disobey his laws. They have to do a guilt, of, uh, a guilt offering uh, to make atonement. You can read uh, those verses and look at verse uh, 23. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, Regards its fruit as forbidden for three years. You are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. The, the Lord is teaching them a principle of trust, to trust him and to uh, trust him as a provider in those first few years when they are not eating from the uh, fruit of, the, of their harvest. You can read all of that. Let's come down to verse 26. The Lord said, do not practice divination. Okay, again, divination, that is when you go to psychics. Today, that is very rampant. People go to psychics to seek their help with the future. The Lord is purely against that. He forbids that. Number one, psychics are counterfeit uh, for, no, for many reasons. Psychics, uh, for the most part, they are guessing they don't really know the truth and they are going to give you false information that you will act on and you're going to end up being hurt. These psychics are really using information that you bring to them or they're using information based on the current event happening in the world to predict. They are not truly giving you a 100% accurate or a precise prediction. So don't waste your time to do that. And secondly, the Lord prohibits us to uh, practice divination and to seek help from psychics because these people, for the most part, have direct contact with, with the occult, with, with the devil. And it could bring a curse into your life and the life of your family. So don't do that. And this is a direct insult to the Lord. So the Lord is saying that do not do this. And if you come to verse 31, he says, do not turn to mediums or seek a spiritualist for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. So he is saying that don't do that. And later on, he would tell us that anyone who does that uh, should be killed, should be stoned to death. At least in the Old Testament, that was the punishment for doing that. But in the New Testament, we would not do that because uh, uh, God is dealing with us differently through his grace. Even though he doesn't approve that, he will not strike us dead, but we would bring upon a curse in our own lives and just open the door for Satan to have direct access to our lives and attack us and bring all kinds of havoc. And the Lord would allow it because we disobeyed him. And before I proceed... Let us go back and take a closer look at verse 28. Let us read this out loud. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. 
I want to highlight this verse because many people are very concerned about this verse, that if a Christian has tattoos on their body, it is uh, demonic and it is uh, sinning against the Lord. Please, we cannot take scriptures out of context. As I have been teaching out of this Leviticus chapter 19, if you were to go back and re-listen to this teaching in context, these tattoos on the body has to do with those who put tattoos on their body as idolatry or as a pagan worshipping of their gods. So if a Christian had tattoos on their bodies, or if somebody rather had tattoos on their body and then they later gave their life to the Lord and they are a Christian and these tattoos stay on their bodies, it is not a sin. They are a new creature in Christ. Okay? Old things pass away, all things are new. So if you see somebody with tattoos on their bodies who loves the Lord, do not take it to imply that they are sinners or they worship the devil. No, it is meaningless, it is harmless as long as they idolize nobody. As long as God, Jesus Christ, is their Lord and their God, it is okay. Okay? I just needed to clarify that. So uh, if you have tattoos in your body, if you can remove them, fine. If you cannot remove them, forget it, move on. God is looking at your heart. You are a new creature in Christ, so move on. All right? Look at uh, verse 35. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Uh, verse 36, use honest scales and honest weights and honest epath. This may sound a cake, but here's the principle here. As employers, as people who um, own businesses, we should be honest in, a, in our business dealings. That's the bottom line. We should not cheat. <laughs> okay, we should not manipulate people. If we own a farm, when people come to us to buy food, we should not lie and deceive them by the scale. We should not tell them that something weighs uh, 70 pounds and they have to pay $200 when it really only weighs 7 pounds and the actual value is 50 bucks. The principle is still the same. So we have to be honest in our dealings. Okay. We come to uh, chapter 20, and chapter 20 lists the punishments for disobeying God's um, holy laws. Okay, so let's take a look at certain verses out of uh, chapter 20 here. This, let's take a look at uh, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any Israelite or a or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech is to be put to death. We talked about that already. And um, come all the way to the first uh, few verses there, verses 1 through 5, the Lord went on to talk about how they should not sacrifice the children to Molech. That is detestable. Uh, so you can read those verses. And in verse 5, he said he would turn his face against anyone who does that and that person will be punished. I had already explained that. And then in verse 6, he talks about the punishment for seeking psychics or mediums from spiritualists. 
We talked about that already. In verse 7, the Lord is saying that these people should, should consecrate themselves because uh, he is holy. Again, remember, all of these laws, God used to set the Israelite community holy. That way, other nations could see their holiness and get a better revelation of the holy God that they serve. Because God is holy 100%, he wanted them to reflect his holy laws uh, and set them apart from other nations. Okay, so that is why throughout these verses, the Lord kept, kept saying, I am holy, I am holy, because he is holy. So he is giving them these holy laws to set them apart. Even though, as we will find out through the Old Testament, that none of them could keep these laws. These laws were so perfectly holy, they couldn't keep it. So they looked unto uh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came and fulfilled all of these laws. Okay, so look at um, verse 19. I am still in uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 20, verse 19. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Again, the, the punishment for committing adultery was death. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> if this one was to happen today, boy, most people will be killed. <laughs> the mercy of God. You know, this uh, reminds me, and when we get to the New Testament, we will talk about this. For those of you who have some familiarity with the, with the scriptures, remember the Gospels, the book of um, John, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus, that what should we do with her? Because the law says we should stone her. This is where that law came from. So you see how having a full totality of scripture really helps you? For those of you who don't understand the Old Testament, if you go straight to the New Testament and you come to that chapter, you may wonder, well, why why did they bring this lady to Jesus and ask Jesus and reminded Jesus that this woman has to be killed? Because that was the law God had given right here. So when that woman was caught in the act of adultery, the Jewish leaders were just trying to carry out the law of Moses. So they brought that woman to Jesus because that woman deserved death. But as we found out, Jesus in his grace and mercy uh, responded to them differently, but we will talk about that when we get to the New Testament. I just wanted to bring that to your um, remembrance that, that that was where that law came from. Okay, let's come down to verse 13. Look at that punishment there. If a man has sexual relations with a man, as one does with a woman, they are both to be killed. So in the Old Testament, homosexuality, they kill people. That just goes to show you how, how seriously God took these laws. A lot of these sexual laws, the punishment was death because God was going to eradicate the contamination from the Israelite community and set an example for others not to practice it. So it was a very harsh and final judgment, which was very deserving. Okay, so uh, you can read the, the rest of those consequences there. Um, if you come to verse 17, if a man marries his sister, it's a disgrace. And um, sexual relations with his aunt is a dis disrespectful thing. And um, 
Verse 21, if a man marries his brother's wife, it is, it is an act of impurity. It's a dishonorable thing. And if you recall, I already talked about this, how John the Baptist, as recorded in the Gospels, was beheaded by Herod, who was the king at that time, because John the Baptist spoke vehemently against the fact that Herod married his brother's wife, Herodis. Like I mentioned before, John the Baptist was just proclaiming the righteousness of God when he was beheaded. I hope you recall. Verse 22, the Lord just went on to say they have to keep all his commandments. Okay, uh, because uh, all of the uh, nations before them, the Egyptians and the nations, they are going to, the land they are going to possess, rather the Canaanites, they practice all of this. So these uh, practices are detestable to the Lord. So he was just reminding them. And in verse 24, that is a reminder there. But I said to you, you will possess the land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the other nations. So the Lord was just reminding them that you will possess this land. So when you get into this land, don't practice their sexual immorality or their sins, etc., etc. Uh, verse 25, God is explaining to them why he is giving them this law that uh, they must distinguish between clean and unclean, okay? They cannot defile themselves. He has set them apart. Verse 26, he went on to say, I am holy. And then again in verse 27, he reiterated that if a man uh, uh, sought advice from a medium or spiritualist or a psychic, that person is to be put to death. This is serious. Okay, so that brings us to the end of chapter 20. Okay, so measure principles um, out of chapters 17 through 20 out of the book of Leviticus. These are pretty obvious. God's holiness, okay, and uh, principle number two, God uh, reflecting his holiness through the nation of Israel. Uh, setting them apart for other nations to see. And what is the measure application? Uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We as his chosen people, those of us who are true followers of Jesus Christ, we are still supposed to re reflect God's holiness so that unbelievers can see. This hasn't changed, except uh, now the laws have been written in our hearts. Okay, and um, uh, also a major application here is that we have to uh, maintain our business dealings. Honestly, we should uh, maintain uh, integrity in the way we treat others and we should not abuse or misuse the name of the Lord. Uh, these are all very applicable today. So those were the major principles and application which pretty much I had explained and described throughout discussion of the various verses. Okay, continuing here with application, the last one, uh, just out of the principle of God's holiness, God's sexual laws are still very applicable today. I had explained that over and over. 
God is still against uh, any sexual relations outside of marriage. God is still against homosexuality, even though, unfortunately, today we have some churches who have ordained homosexual priests, homosexual ministers. That is absolutely prohibited by the God of the Bible. God has not changed. God does not accept that. That is a deception from Satan. That is how some of these churches are trying to justify their uh, sinful practice by saying that God accepts them. That is not true. That is not true. That is not true. God accepts them as a person, but God, God uh, will never accept homosexuality. God will never accept any kind of sexual relations outside of marriage. And this is one of the major themes across all of Scripture, from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. So the fact that a pastor or a minister who is homosexual is ordained and is preaching the gospel does not mean that that is of God. That is absolutely not of God. And if you are a leader of, of the church, you're a minister or you're a pastor, and you are practicing homosexuality, lesbianism, and you're deceiving yourself that because you go on the pulpit and you preach the word of God, God is accepting that, that is a lie. I am here to tell you that it's just the mercy of God that hasn't struck you dead because you are setting a wrong example of God. God is holy. God will never accept that. So we have to be honest to the scriptures and be honest as ministers, as pastors, and as leaders to represent God correctly. God will never accept that. So even if you are not a pastor, leader, or a priest, if you are just a Christian who is caught in this, in this lies, deception, and practicing this sin, I really pray for you to seek God to help you because God does not accept this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. In Jesus' name, I hope you receive that. Okay. So, Father God, help us today so we can walk in obedience towards you and cleanse us from all sexual immorality. Lord, open our hearts and the hearts of all of those who are struggling with homosexuality, lesbianism, and all sorts of sexual immorality, Lord. This revelation has to come from the Holy Spirit directly. Holy Spirit, I ask that you teach them so they can come to the realization that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you abhor, dislike all sorts of sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, lesbianism. Teach them, Lord, how to overcome this battle for all of those who are struggling in this area. Lord, I believe in my heart your children want to purify themselves so they can glorify you. But it is a struggle for so many. I am believing by faith that you will strengthen people today to stand up and fight any sexual immorality and any disobedience and sin in their life because you want to bless us as we obey you. We thank you for your faithful God. By faith, I believe this prayer is answered. 
In Jesus' name, we say amen. Before we go, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. And check out our event page and sign up for one or all of our upcoming events. While there, remember to subscribe to Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching e-newsletters so you can start receiving more life-changing teachings. If Dr. Ruth's teachings are a blessing to you, we would like to know that. So would you please send us an email and let us know? Here is our email address, info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. You can also find Dr. Ruth's simple and practical teachings on YouTube. Just search for Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch Dr. Ruth's Bible teaching videos at your convenience 24-7. Remember to click the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe. That way, you will receive alerts when we upload more Bible teachings. I am Chris Horam, and may God's abundant blessings chase you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.